morning. Hope you're good. We, uh, I found out that um, when I sit down, it, I become a calmer, more gentle version of me. And so I'm going to give this a shot and see how it goes. But uh, anyway, glad you're here this morning. I do want to um, just echo some of what John said uh, earlier and just about how incredible VBS really was this year. Um, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, I was really, really blown away. Uh, especially by those who came out to help. Um, and, and I just want to say thank you to all of you. I tried to grab as many as I could and tell them uh, that last night um, just how much I appreciate it because it was really incredible seeing everybody come out and help with that. If you had a part in that in any way, um, I do want to say thank you for, um, for what you did. Uh, the other part to me that was incredible was watching the children when they would come in to worship. Um, it, it was awesome, especially the closing. We had parents come in, and, and the kids, it, it was just incredible to see. And Susan and I joked about um, having the kids come in one Sunday, kind of joked, kind of serious, and, and let them show us how to worship because they, they were so free in their worship and just responding to God and, and Jesus. And so it was really awesome to see um, Nina and Olivia and uh, Jody and all the staff. There's so much that went into this. Um, but their leadership in that was, was awesome, too, so I'm extremely thankful for them um, in that. Uh, also want to say happy Father's Day to the fathers. Um, yeah. And, and so um, I'm one of them, and so glad to be. Uh, and uh, just uh, thankful for the dads and, and what you mean uh, to families and the responsibility that we carry and uh, how God's entrusted us with that is great, um, but I'm thankful, thankful for you guys. Um, something on a, a little bit of a sadder note, uh, David Shirley, many of you know, and, and his wife Stephanie and their family, they're going to be moving. Um, David's been on staff here for a long time. He and Stephanie have attended here for, gosh, I don't know how many years. They've been here, it seems like, from the beginning. They're going to be moving to Virginia starting a new season of their life, and um, we're going to miss them uh, a lot, um, just who they are uh, as people and as a family, just super solid. If you see them, you know them, and you see them in the hall, this is actually going to be their last Sunday here. And so if you would, grab hold of them and tell them how much you appreciate them um, because they've had a great impact on a lot of people here. And so uh, we're going to miss them um, a lot. So today... Um, I want to do something, you know, a little different this morning, something I felt like the Lord put on my heart to do last Friday. Um, and, and so what I want to do is I want to ask you this question. Um, what's God been showing you? As, as you spent time in God's Word, and, and I hope you have, if, if you've spent time praying in God's Word in your own time, what's God speaking to you? What's God telling you? Um, what's, what's been on your heart that he's showing you? Um, and I want you just to begin to think about that. I, I want us to take just a few seconds and, and, and let's just ponder that question. Um, and, and I want to pray for us after a little while and, uh, and then we'll, we'll uh, continue on. But let's take a minute. I want you to reflect what's God showing you and teaching you right now.
Father, I'm thankful today that um, you speak to us. You, you speak to us through your word, your spirit. God, you speak to us through other people. So many ways, God. I'm thankful that you're a living God and you're the God of the living. And we can come to you and experience your presence. You're very real. And God, I, I just thank you for how you've spoken to different people's hearts here today. Lord, I pray you would draw us all close together as your church. Lord, that any dividing walls of hostility, Lord, that they would fall in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray you'll continue to speak to us this morning. I pray that we would have the eyes of our understanding opened that we'd have ears to hear what you have to say to us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, continuing what I felt like was um, put on my heart, I want to continue talking about that a little bit. Um, we come in here typically, and, and for the most part, what we do is you come in and you listen to what God put on my heart that week. Today, I want to hear a little bit about what God's put on your heart. Okay, um, I, I know this is crazy, but I want you to speak to me some, all right? And so I'm, don't worry if you're, you're, like, you're thinking, like, I finally came back to church, and now he's going to stick a microphone in my face. I promise I won't do that. Some of you that I know I might, but, but not others. But I want to hear from you guys. What's the Lord speaking to you? What's God been doing in your life? What's God put on your heart lately? And so I'm actually going to um, descend from the stage and ask a few folks to share that. There it is. First of all, any volunteers? All right, John. I'll be back to you in a minute. What God's been putting on your okay. heart. Well, um, as I've been reading in John... Um, 14 and 15, just in this week and meditating on it. I, you know, I've, I've heard God say in his word that be holy as I'm in holy, but one thing God's been speaking to me about reading in John is that to be faithful as I am faithful. And it's really put me to the challenge of being faithful in his word and praying and just trying to be the hands and feet of the Lord. That's good. Thank you. That's good. Who else? This is a point where people avoid making eye contact. So who else? Anybody? All right. That I'm a new creature in Christ and not defined by my mistakes. That's awesome, man. That's good. Thank you. We can, let's, uh, let's give him a round of applause for what God's doing. Thank God for what he's doing in his life. Who else? Somebody else. Somebody tell us what God's doing. It's good. All right? All right. Get my exercise. If y'all could kind of orchestrate this a little better, where we do it all on one side, that would be awesome. All right. What about you, bud? Um, I say for me, just really trusting and waiting on God. A lot of times we ask for uh, things like before their time and just really in the season of like graduation and different things, just really trusting and being patient on the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you. That's good. Very good. Oh, see how I can get that here. I'll just throw it. Excuse me. 
<laughs> there you go. Okay, um, this might be a little long, and but it's super weird, or I don't know, I'm weird. This is super weird that I felt like I was supposed to tell people today what I've been going through and a message that I have. And on the way to church, I was like, well, there's no way to do that, so I'm not going to be able to. I was like, you know, maybe there'll be a small group of people that I can share what's going on and a message that I feel like I have. And so when Brandon said that on stage, I was, I was just taken back. Like, I don't remember a time that we've ever, I don't know, maybe we have and I missed it. But my heart is beating really fast, and I didn't want to speak to this big of a crowd. But um, I did want to share that the past few months, maybe about two and a half months, I've been going through something really difficult. Um, it kind of blindsided me. And I've struggled. My life verse is Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love him. And I believe that. Um, I've been through some pretty, I would say the one constant thing in my life has been pain. There's been some pretty painful things that I've experienced. Um, and recently, God's been telling me and I share this with a lot of people because I'm a counselor. But just that your pain really does have a purpose. And even when it's heart-wrenching and you question God, he really is shaping you into who you were meant to be before the world happened to us, before somebody else's pain hurt us, before someone else's sin had an impact on us. And that started really early on for me. And it's a theme with clients that I've worked with, especially with teenagers, um, that sometimes there, there's something deep-seated within us and I know there's a spiritual component to this because Satan just tells you lies. But early on, I felt unlovable, unworthy. I didn't know my father, so Father's Day is really difficult for me. Um, but I will say that every painful event that I've had in my life that the storms truly revealed the lies that I believed about myself. And lately, some old wounds were opened up that I thought, okay, I've worked on this. God's helped me get through some things. Um, but lately, it just, like I said, blindsided me. But God was still saying there's lies that you believe, and that impacts what I want you to do and how I want you to help others. And he revealed those lies to me, and he showed me that sometimes when things happen to us, it's because we're all broken 
and we're on a journey together. And Jesus definitely leveled the playing field. We don't because we think some sins are worse than others and some of the things that people do to deal with their pain are worse than others when actually they're not. I mean, we know people use drugs, alcohol, sex, food. I mean, there's a lot of different things that we do to numb our pain. But then there's also, I know at one point in my life, I didn't recognize it, but it was self-righteousness. It was, you know, there's been other times that it was self-sufficiency, just thinking, you know, I look pretty good on the outside, you know, all the check boxes, I'm at church, you know, I'm following you, I'm doing my devotional, but on the inside, my faith was not where it needed to be. And so there are different things that may, that we may have in our life to numb the pain, but God definitely showed me the past few months that to heal it, you really do have to feel it. And it's been pretty difficult, but I can say that I sat in that pain, and I know that God has a very big purpose for that pain. And through the teenagers I've worked with and adults, um, you know, sometimes pain gets so overwhelming that we feel like we definitely rather not be here than to feel the pain. And we know that. I mean, suicide is at the highest it's ever been, and it continues to happen. And I know there's been times in my life that I would have much rather checked out than dealt with the pain. But God gets to decide when my story ends. I don't. And I'm so thankful that he's revealed lies that I believed and that my faith and trust continues to grow through the pain. Good. Thank you. That's awesome. And, you know, sometimes we do video testimonies um, and show them in church, and then sometimes you just give somebody the microphone and they do one uh, from their seat. And so that was really good, um, and I appreciate everybody sharing, uh, those who did. And, and the point of it that I really want us all to see is that God ministers through the body. He doesn't just do it through me or, or another pastor, but he speaks to all of our hearts so that we can uh, be a part of the ministry that God wants to do, that each part can do its work. And, um, we don't serve a God who is some, uh, you know, idol that we created. We don't worship some created thing. We worship the creator who is very much alive, who very much wants to speak to us in our pain, in our joys, in the day in and day out things of life. And so I want to encourage you with that, that, that we, we realize that and, and I hope that our hearts will be stirred to have a real relationship with him, a real um, contact with him, not just settling 
for something that is going through the motions, but something that is very real in our lives. And so um, I appreciate you guys sharing. Um, today, I want to kind of go off of a little of what we talked about last, last week in the next 17 minutes, um, which if, if, this, if we pull this off today in 17 minutes, you know it's a miracle of God. But I'm sitting down, so there is hope. Um, and so I really, um, I feel like a lot of what we needed to hear, we've heard. But I really do feel like this is something that the Lord put on my heart to share with you today. Um, last week, we talked about the foundation of the church. And we've been looking at how the church is built on what we've been calling this pastoral system. Um, and we've got to make this transition to get to where we're building it on um, a biblical model, um, which we've looked at quite a bit out of Ephesians chapter 4. We talked about the foundation last week, and the foundation being Jesus. But we also talked about that in the church today, there can be some cracks in that foundation. One of those was that people in many cases haven't heard or understood a clear call to what it means to follow Jesus, to discipleship. Another one is um, that we haven't heard, if we are in Christ, we haven't heard a clear call to um, be a part of God's church, that our salvation's not just for us, but it's for the church, it's for um, the body to be built up. Uh, and the third one was that sometimes even if we feel called and we know we're a part of the church, that we end up in a place where we don't realize as a church that we're called to be a part of Jesus's mission. And I was going to go on to the next level, that level that looks at staff, right, where it was the foundation of Christ and then staff. But I felt like the Lord directed me back to the foundation and, and really that we need to look at this more, specifically looking at and understanding what it is when we're called to um, follow Christ and what that means when we say yes. And so if you have a Bible, and, and I hope you'll bring those with you, um, turn to John chapter 12. I want us to look at this uh, this morning and uh, the next few minutes and, and really ponder. I want to leave it with you so you can ponder it and pray through it and process it throughout this week, letting God speak to you, letting God reveal to you that you would spend time going back and reading this passage yourself um, and really thinking about it. This is what it says in John chapter 20. It says, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in uh, Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew, uh, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a, a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me. From this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I want to read another passage real quickly in Matthew chapter 16. And this is again Jesus predicting his death. And this is when Peter, we looked at some of this last week, where Peter rebukes him and says, 
you know, Lord, this will never happen to you. And, and Jesus then turns to Peter, calls him Satan, says, get behind me. But in verse 24 in Matthew 16, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. When I was praying this week, and I was already preparing to talk about that next level of how the church is built on the pastor and the staff versus the body of Christ, the, the leadership that God's given it. I felt like God um, really spoke to my heart and sent me back to John chapter 12. Um, and in that, I began to read and I began to ponder and think about this because in this passage and in the passage in Matthew 16, Jesus is basically saying, look, I'm going to the cross to die um, and this is what's going to happen. And he says, basically to everybody else, he's saying, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to truly be my disciple, then you're going to have to do the same thing. And, and I started thinking about that. And, and what really jumped out at me is that it's kind of crazy that we sometimes think, and I know in church I thought this for a long time, and it was something that, that um, I think is still taught a lot, is that when we think about taking up our cross or we think about dying to ourselves, many times we kind of think about it as if it's the same cross that Jesus died on. We think about it as part of our, um, almost as a way of earning God's love or earning God's forgiveness or, or something we have to do to be fully accepted. And that thinking, it, it really goes against the gospel. It goes against the truth of God's word that, that our forgiveness, the love of God, our, our acceptance, it can't be earned. It's given to us freely when we put our faith in Christ. And so when we look at this and we begin to see it, Jesus isn't telling us that we have to go to the cross and, and pay a price for our sin. That's what Jesus did. He's not telling us that there's some kind of something we have to do to add it to faith to make ourselves right before him. Jesus did everything necessary for us to be right with him. So when we look at this, what is Jesus telling us? What's the cross that we are supposed to carry? What's the purpose of it? If it's not to take care of our sin, then what's the reason for us to come and follow Christ, to take up our cross and follow him, to die to ourselves? First, I want you to think about the difference in what happened with Jesus at the cross and what happens when we come to the cross because it's pretty astounding and, and I hope that it, it grabs hold of you like it grabbed hold of me. But the difference in Jesus's cross and our cross is that Jesus went to the cross bound. He was bound to the cross. When he died on the cross, he was literally strapped. He was nailed to this cross, not going anywhere, right? He was bound to the cross. But when we come to the cross, we're set free. So that Jesus came and, and the cross for him was, was binding. For us, we come to the cross in, in faith in Christ and we're set free. Jesus went to the cross and he was condemned. We come to the cross and we're acquitted. Jesus went to the cross 
and was cursed and considered a curse by everyone who saw him. We come to the cross and some miraculous way through God's grace, we find blessing and favor in him. Jesus went to the cross and was declared guilty. We come to the cross and there we are declared innocent. Jesus went to the cross so we could be saved. We come to the cross because we are saved through him. Jesus went to the cross to receive the wages for our sin, to receive the wages of our sin. We go to the cross and reap the benefits from his life and death. Jesus went to the cross and there he was rejected. We come to the cross and through the cross, our faith in Christ, we're accepted by God. I was even thinking about that and realizing that it's, it's really insulting for us to think we could ever carry the cross that Jesus carried. You think about that. All the sin of the world, past, present, and future was placed upon him. If we were to try to carry Jesus's cross and that sin and the amount of God's wrath, that cup of wrath that was fully poured out on Christ was poured out on us, it would absolutely crush us. And yet Jesus, the one who deserved it the least, took all of the wrath upon himself. The only thing I see in common with the cross that Jesus carries and the cross that we carry is honestly that in both scenarios, it's unfair. It's unfair that the one who was righteous and the one who had no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's unfair that the ones who um, have sinned don't die the death that's deserved because of the sin and the rebellion. It's pretty amazing to me to think about the differences in those. But I thought about that and I'm like, if me picking up my cross and carrying it and me dying to myself is not about me somehow paying for my sin that's already been paid for, then what's the purpose in it? And I would direct you back to John chapter 12. In verse 23, Jesus replies, and, and these, these, Greeks have, these Greeks have come and they want to meet with Jesus. And these Greeks in this passage are really representative of the world. And, and when they come, and these people are outside the Jewish community, it's almost like it, a fire went off in Christ or, or it was like, okay, bam, now's the time. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Look down now at verse 28. Father, glorify your name. In both passages, we see this, that Jesus, as he went to the cross, was glorified. But, but how was he glorified? What was it that glorified Jesus? It wasn't the people around him who were mocking him, who were thinking he's cursed because all the Jewish people, they believed that if you were crucified, you were under a curse. It was considered a sign of that. It wasn't that uh, they were giving him glory. Jesus' glory, he was glorified in this. He had finished the mission that he'd been given and the Father um, recognized in him his perfect obedience. He recognized in him an acceptable sacrifice for sin. 
And in that, he was glorified. He was much more concerned, I believe, with what the father thought than he was those around him who mocked him. And in his obedience, Jesus was glorified. The cross brought him to this place of completing the mission, fulfilling the purpose in his life. You go down to verse 28, Jesus prays. He says, Father, glorify your name. Well, how was God glorified at the cross? When we see his plan of, of glorification, but that too was also in Jesus's obedience, that Jesus had lived a perfect life. He had brought the Father glory by fulfilling the mission. It was like Jesus, as he walked the earth, he became this window where we could look to Christ and see through his life and through his purpose and through his mission, we could see the glory of the Father. And in this way, Jesus glorified the Father in the cross by fulfilling perfectly his life and mission. And we're able to see that. We've talked about this before, but we're able to see how God's perfect love and his wrath towards sin meet in Christ. In Christ, we see what humanity was intended to be. We see who God is in Christ, and we see the result of our sin that's placed on him. And so in Christ, God, the Father, was glorified by his perfect life, his mission, his obedience, the fact that he finished what he had been sent to do. So how did he glorify the Father? How was Jesus glorified through the cross? By his obedience. And what is it about obedience that brings glory to God? I believe it's this, that when we are obedient to God, we're honoring God. We're honoring him in the way that he deserves to be honored. And in this sense, honor means like to esteem, uh, even to adore, to revere, to worship, to be praised, to obey, to follow. And so when we say we want to glorify God, I want to honor him. I want to esteem him. I want to adore him. I want to revere him. I want to worship. I want to praise him. I want to obey him. I want to follow him. Not because I need to pay for my sin, but because my sins have been paid for. I'm going to take up my cross daily and follow him because who else is there to follow? Who else has a source of truth in life? I'm going to follow because of who he is and what he's done. I'm going to die to me because of who he is and what he's done. I want to esteem him, adore him, worship, follow, obey. And so we honor. When Jesus came, here's something that is important to see. Jesus was fully God. He is fully God. But when he came to earth, he submitted his life to the Father. He willingly submitted his life to the Father. What kind of trust does that take, right? He submitted his life to the Father. He became subservient to the Father, willing to do whatever the Father told him to do. In other words, Jesus again shows us what a life lived honoring God looks like, what a life lived in obedience looks like. It's when we come to trust God so much that we recognize him in his proper position of authority in our lives and I completely submit myself to him, not to pay for my sin, but because I trust the goodness of God. And then I have in my life, I've quit trying to put myself where he is and I 
submit myself to him. I trust him. I walk in this. I have elevated God in a sense by submitting myself. And in that, I align myself with God's heart and with God's will. It's really the essence of repentance. It's a change of mind that leads to a realignment with God. Really, it's honoring God the way he should be. When I take up my cross, when I die to myself, it's recognizing, honoring, elevating God. You don't need to think of it as something that's negative. Listen, Jesus carried the burden for my sin. Now I, in trust and joy, get to follow after him. Verse 26, it tells us this. It says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. In other words, listen, if you follow me, I'm, 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 if you take up your cross, if you die to yourself, as you walk through this life, listen, you're following me. I'm there with you. And where I am, my servant also will be. He says, my father will honor the one who serves me. It's kind of interesting when you look at that word because it's a different word than what we were looking at before when we think about the glory of God and honoring God. It's a word that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't really mean like to worship or be revered because God's, you know, not like, revering us in that way that we would him, not in that kind of awe and that kind of thing. But what this word for honor means is to fix value on something. So he's, he's saying basically, Jesus is saying, when you come to me and you follow me, there's value that's placed on your life. And it's the value that Christ has given us. Our value is not in and of ourselves. The value is in Christ that now is a part of our lives as we brought our lives into the life of Christ. And when we look at it that way, when we begin to understand this and we put our lives in alignment with God's, we honor him the way he should be honored. Then we, the body of Christ, we become that window that people now are able to look at and see the glory of God. That's the intent. That through the body, the body of Christ, people look and they see the glory of God. We become the window, the body. We become the fulfillment of the mission when we honor God with our lives. As I was praying about this and when God really brought me back to this passage and the foundation and understanding what it really means to, to answer a call to follow and discipleship. As I was, I just stopped and started praying because I was going a different direction. I'm like, God, what is it exactly you want me to do? And, and this may seem weird to you. If, if it does, then um, it's okay. But as I was praying, in my mind, I saw a hand. And in the hand, there was grain. It was like it was full of grain. And as I watched, the hand tipped over and the grain spilled out of the hand. And it was just tons of seed falling to the ground. And that's when God took me to this passage. This is the passage that popped into my mind as I'm seeing this. And I come back and I read it and I look at it and I'm like, think about how much fruit was produced from the life of Christ when that one kernel, Christ, died and went into the ground. And, and 
how much fruit was produced from that seed, from that kernel, when he went to the cross, willingly put himself on the cross because no one could have forced him to do it. How much fruit came from that? And I felt like what God was showing me in that is, Brandon, think about what would happen if the church came to me and honored me in that way. If the church really began every day recognizing, thinking, pondering who God is and what God's done. And throughout our day, throughout our life, we're living to honor him, not to pay for our sin, not to carry that burden, but because of who he is and what he's done, God, I honor you. I recognize you as God, Jesus. I recognize you as Savior and Lord, and I am thankful for what you've done. And because of who you are and what you've done, today I honor you. I lift you up, God, in my life. And I felt like what God was showing me in that is that our lives then become those kernels, those seeds that go into the ground. And then they begin to come up and they begin to produce fruit that's 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Can you imagine just in this room today if God produced the fruit of more disciples, more followers of Christ out of just the ones in this room who said, God, because of who you are and what you've done, I honor you today. God, I want more of you today. Would you fill me today with your power and presence? I exalt you today. I esteem you today. I adore you today. I will follow you, God, today. And 30, 60, 100 times what was sown begins to be seen through his church. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said that, he said, blessed are those who are pure of heart, for they shall see God. What I would like to ask each of us to ponder this week, and I hope you'll take the message. I would encourage you, bring a Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you a Bible out there. Bring something to write something down. Hopefully, if you come here, there's something that you hear that the Lord impresses on your heart. Write it down. Take it and ponder. Think about it. Spend time processing it because if we don't take God's word and process it, meditate on it, not just listen to it, but meditate on it and process it, let it be internalized, then most of the time it goes in one ear and out the other. But this week, I would encourage you, spend some time in this passage, maybe Matthew 16, maybe Matthew 5, 8. And ask the Lord, Lord, where is it that my heart's out of alignment? God, I want to honor you. That's the desire of my heart. Where's my life out of alignment? What is it that you're doing in me, God? But what is it also that you want to do through me in my life as I follow you? I believe God will begin to reveal things. I believe that God will begin to speak to your heart. And I want you to hear the Lord for yourself. 
I don't want to be a mediator who has to be the voice of God, the only voice of God in your life. So I want to pray for us that that would be our heart. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your love for us, God. Jesus, thank you for bearing a cross that we could never bear. Father, thank you for a plan that has reconciled us to you. I pray, Lord, this week that we would be stirred in our spirit to seek you, to bring our heart before you, because God, we want to see you. Purify our hearts, Lord. Purify our hearts. Renew our minds in your word and draw us close together. Lord, as we follow you as the body of Christ, we love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.